0: Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash B-E. Have you ever wondered what we're going to do to get more leaders? Or even what we're going to do to get more teachers? Or how leaders can keep teachers in education so that they in turn become leaders and we can continually improve our whole educational system. Yeah, so do a lot of us. Hey, everyone, all my c to lead listeners, this is Dr. Chris Jones, and I've got a special interview for you this week. This is a different type of show. I've only done it a couple of times before, but if you remember a couple of episodes back, I interviewed Joelle McLean. Now, Joelle is a fantastic leader that focuses on the idea of leadership collective efficacy, He's big on how we develop leaders in the environment that we have and attract them to our environment. One of the most important things he talks about is successful leadership development, resulting in leaders developing others into leaders. And so here we are with this episode, and this is what is special about it to me. I was asked to be on his show, and we had a fantastic discussion about all things education. But really, we talked about leadership and the importance of quality leadership and continually improving where leaders are coming from. We also went through my recent book, Seeing to Lead, Supporting, Engaging, and Empowering. So I feel lucky. I hope you get tons of value out of this. I thought it was a great discussion, and Joel has given me permission to put it on my show because what you really need to do, if you really want to continually improve, is you need to go over and get on his show so that you can hear what he has to say on the This Is Leadership podcast. Make sure you check him out on Twitter at J-P-R-O-F-N-B and his website, inspiderleadership.ca. Well, Like I like to say, let's get to getting better with an interview of me on This Is Leadership. dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Today,
1: folks, I have a good friend of mine as a guest today, and I'm so happy uh, that Chris is here to speak with us. We're going to be talking about his book, but let me tell you a little bit a little bit more about Chris uh, before we get things started. So Dr. Chris Jones has been an educator in Massachusetts for 22 years. His experience in the classroom ranged from 8th to 11th grade working in an urban setting. Chris is passionate about continuous improvement and the idea that success is not a destination. And for those of you who didn't know, Chris was named the 2022 Massachusetts School Counselors Association Administrator of the Year. So congratulations, Chris, on that. And the last thing I'm gonna say, Chris, is you're an author as well because we are going to be talking about your book, which is right here. The those of you watching us on YouTube, seeing to lead, support, engage, and empower. We're going to be getting into this beauty here today. So, Chris, thanks for
0: being here with me on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I, you know, every time I talk to you, I find that I'm learning something new. So I really appreciate you you giving me some time. And that's right back at you. I had the opportunity to be on your podcast as well and
1: had a great time and. It's funny, you know, we we're both principals. We both have podcasts, so we we share that passion. But uh, I think you'll agree with me that, you know, when it when when it does come to podcasting, we get as much out of it, if not more <laughs> than than probably our guests. So uh, it's great to have you here, Chris. And it's great to be talking about the book. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love the way you structured the book. I love the way you, you brought in, you know, you, you brought us some of your stories, especially when you were back in elementary school. I really enjoyed that and how we'll get into it. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it right (laughs) now, you know, now for everybody that's listening or watching on YouTube. So listen, Chris, you know, I talked a little bit about your, your professional background, but you know, how about you, you you tell us a little about yourself, you know, your family and, and, you know, what's going on in your life right now, Chris?
0: Sure, um, you know my my life right now is a little busy with the opening of school as you understand because you're principal, but uh, <laughs> you know I'm uh, I am married to a fantastic uh, woman and one of the best teachers I've ever seen. She's also hmm. a teacher. She teaches seventh and eighth grade English. okay um, So I'm married to my wonderful wife, Mary, who I call, I'll, I'll throw this out there for everybody. I call her Bella it's her nickname because it okay. means beautiful in Italian and she's, she's Italian and she's beautiful. So, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, I also have two sons. I have a 13 year old and a 15 year old boy. Um, and they are just the highlight of my life right now. You know, as they were growing up, they always say, Oh, this is the best age. I found myself saying that every single time yeah, yeah. they turn another age. It's like, Oh, this is the best age. Um, Right now, as they get older, you know I'm I'm off doing their different things with them. They both wrestle, um, my so I'm in the gym with both of them lifting. I've got okay. one that is an engineer; he loves creating things and then putting those into a computer and then having the computer do the work. Okay. Um, my youngest son. Loves creating things, but loves doing them with his hands, which is the picture behind me. That's awesome. Um, He wants to be a blacksmith. So he's, so I'm, I'm, you know, helping him get those opportunities to do that. But so my life now is, um, doing the best I can in the school for the teachers that I serve and the students Mm. that I serve building continually, you know, building that culture and working on that culture. I'm in some, uh, I'm going and doing some different presentations. I actually have one tomorrow. Um, on the book and on supporting engaging and empowering teachers so uh yeah i'm keeping busy not a whole, not a whole lot of time <laughs> i but, hear
1: you i yeah. hear you and and for those that aren't looking and are not watching this on youtube well the picture behind uh chris is actually uh his his son with a what, what is it a three pound hammer yeah he's got I a three you told me. Yeah. yeah
0: it's a three pound hammer on a on a piece of red hot steel and yeah. he's on a He's banging it on an anvil, and that anvil—it was like a history lesson. Which then, you know, I kind of nerd out. But uh, the anvil is um, 200 years old, and it's a 300-pound cast wow. anvil. Wow! And it was just on this big tree trunk that had been cut and placed there. So, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And we were talking before the recording how I thought, you know,
1: because your 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 one son is 13, and your second one is younger, right? You you had said, or is he older? He's older, he's two years older, he's 15. That's right, that's right, so you know, and and just thinking about it, I'm thinking about even my kids when they were 13, you know, they were playing with friends, they were playing sports and whatnot, and you know, I was saying how it's not often we'll see, uh, you know, 13 year olds, for example, for, you, for your son with the, that has the picture behind you to to dive into what you're passionate about and already thinking about, you know, hey, you know what, maybe this is something that I like to do further on. So I think it's great. And, uh, you know, you'll have to congratulate him for me because um, to be thinking forward thinking like that, I think uh, I think is, is a blessing. And I think that it just shows, you know, uh, the great work I think that you're doing as parents you know, who are, who are the first educators of our child, right? It's us, it's the parents. And uh, to be seeing him actually engaging in that and, and exploring that, I think is fantastic. I will definitely deliver that message from Canada that, you know, that he's got a fan. Directly from North Bay, Ontario, Canada. Three and a half hours north of Toronto, for those that don't know that. So just thought I'd put that in there. So listen, Chris, uh, you are, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, the fact that you were named the, the, 2022 Massachusetts School Counselors Association Administrator of the Year. You got to be nominated for that. People got to appreciate what you're doing and, and, you know, you're putting yourself out there as a leader. Um, and I, I, and I love asking this question, you know, to, to, to leaders, you know, that I meet, cause I always find that their, their answers are really intriguing and it allows me to learn as well. But when thinking about leadership, Chris, you know, what is it that brought you to want to lead? You know, at at some point you were a, as a classroom teacher. Did you always think that you wanted to right from the get go? Did you think that maybe you'd never get there? And then, oh, my God, you developed this passion. So, you know, how did you get to wanting to
0: lead? Well, that's that's interesting because um, and, and that's a great question. My I, I education is my second career. Okay. Um, before I was an educator, I was a coppersmith. OK, and. When I got into education, I I got into education with the idea that, um, and I I I stayed away from education because I I did not have, and and that's in the book as well. I didn't have the best school uh, school experience um, okay. through all grade levels. It it just was really a a, a mediocre experience It did really didn't do much to engage me or empower me, and um, so I I kind of moved off of that and went away from there. And I I was giving tours to my, um, friends and family on civil war battlefields, um, specifically Gettysburg. And they were like, Chris, why, why do you not teach? We you're talking history and politics all the time. And, um, my mother still gives me a hard time to this day (laughs) because I told her, I said, look, I went to high school, I'll teach anybody anything. But if you think that I'm going to do discipline for 90% of the time and not get to teach because of that, I, I don't need that in my life. I'm going yeah. to do something else. Don't need that stress. <laughs> right. And um, my first job, I, I called my mother and told her, and she still doesn't let me live this down. My first job was at an alternative high school for all the kids. It was dropout prevention. So kids that were dropping out of high school for whatever reason, okay. um, be it behavior, be it um, you know uh, social, emotional issues, things like that, hmm. um, they were all behavior issues. And so that was the crowd that I looked at and I started teaching with them. And I, and I never looked back after that. I, Mm. I fell in love with it. And as I was going through this process, you know, I was, I was blessed enough to be brought up by a mother and a grandfather, um, who said, look, you don't just run your mouth about stuff. If, Mm. if you want to talk about something being wrong, then you do something to fix it or, or keep quiet. Yeah. And there was something wrong with the way things were being done in schools at least in my experience. And I'm sure there were plenty of things that were being done right and, and the best that we could ever see. And there were plenty of things being done worse, mm. but, but my experience was um, that the experience altogether could be better soup to nuts um, for everybody involved, for students, for teachers. And it took me a little while to get to that part of it. My understanding for parents, for communities. And so what I did is I, um, I first hesitated to leave the classroom okay. because that whole thing is I don't I don't I didn't want to get too far from the students yeah. away from the students yeah. because then what am I doing if we're truly going to affect students why would I move away from them mm. um a person moved up to a school said I'd really like to see you step forward and um come with me and work underneath me and be a leader so I thought about it and I really I really sat down and reflected about um what that meant for me and and what that meant as far as getting away from students or not getting away from students. And I, I really honed in or, or started there. It wasn't refined yet, but the idea of my firm belief of being a teacher centered principal, because the way I was going to affect the most students in the most positive way was to support, engage, and empower teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, and focus on them because, look, no matter how many students I meet with during a the day, there's no way I can impact as many as a teacher can on the ground That's right. level. That's right. So that all ended up culminating or fitting into my why that it just took me time to find. It was always there. It just took me time to kind of feel it enough to be able to describe it and talk about it. And, and my why for years now and to this day is to make the educational experience better for all those involved. Mm. By being purposeful, acting with integrity, and building character. Mm love that love that and going back
1: to when you said you were in school and and actually you mentioned that it wasn't you know a, a fully positive uh, experience and I know in the book you talked about that at the beginning of the book and um and and at one point early on in the book you you were you know telling us that story you're telling us a story and at one point you you said your perspective about teachers started to change so I found that really interesting so can you bring us back and and you know tell us a little bit about that
0: yeah, you know, I I wish, I wish I could put my finger on the the moment that happened. I, I I had a chip on my shoulder. Now I wasn't a troublemaker in school or anything like that. Um, uh, uh, quite the contrary, I was bored. No. I would sit in class, and what would yeah. frustrate teachers is that I I would sit in class. I was bored. I would do my work, and I'd get passing grades, but I, I I wouldn't participate. I wouldn't engage or anything like that. And you know, I just saw it as teachers going through the motions. I just saw it as um, teachers mailing it in, for lack of a better term, and yeah. just really not, not doing things that would engage me. Now, that's it's a complete shirking of my own personal responsibility to get <laughs> engaged in my education. But um, being the age I was, I didn't realize that. And being the age I was, I also um, took that out on teachers and and blamed teachers for that. You're a bad teacher. You're a bad teacher. You're yeah, a bad teacher. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. until later that I realized these teachers didn't want to step out of line. They they didn't want to take risks. Um, it's not that they were mailing it in. It's that they didn't have somebody behind them supporting them to get better at their craft and to make adjustments or to even engage them in the ability to do that or to even empower them mm-hmm. to not have to think they need to fill out a form or ask permission to change up their lessons and make them different so that yeah. the students in the classroom would say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in my education now. Yeah, and that makes me think, you
1: know, um, I've and I've always said it when I started teaching, uh, you know, the style that I brought into the classroom at first is it, it was the same one that, that what I knew as a student, right? So you teach the way you were taught. And it was the same thing when I became a principal back in, in 2006, you know, I would, I would mimic a little bit of, of what I knew and what I thought was best practices, right. With those, with, with those people, with those principles in particular. So often I find that when it comes to that, it's, it's sometimes it's just, um, um, a, a matter of they not you know the, the teachers not knowing what they don't know. So. Yeah they'll come in and, and they'll think that this is the way that, you know, I should be teaching in the classroom. This is the way that it was done with me when I was sitting in that desk. So I'm just going to continue doing it that way, you know, be it, uh, you know, teaching more uh, as a frontal teacher where I'm in front and I'm not really engaging with the students. You got a lot, you got to be sitting in rows and you can't talk and, and, you know, all this old school stuff. So I think, you know, it was, it was definitely like that back, back in, in our day, when we were in, in elementary school uh, thankfully, we're seeing that evolve now. But, you know, a lot of the times, um, you know, when teachers come out of, of fa- you know, the faculty uh, of education and their teacher uh, training programs, you know, we can't assume that they're going to know, you know, these things, you know, just, just automatically, right? Is they need to be guided, they need to be coached, they need to be accompanied. And we need to show them that, you know what, you know, you have a curriculum, you know, yeah, that is important, but what's even imp- more important than that is that you've got human beings sitting in front of you. And that is your first responsibility is to create those relationships with those human beings so that you can actually make sure that they're in a position to want to learn and to, in a position to be able to receive that learning as well, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that they can have coming out, you know, de- depending on, on what school, what teachers they had often is more that, that, uh, that, that cookie cutter type of way of, of, you know, teaching in a classroom. So I think for us it's important. And and for me, going from the classroom to the principalship, it was a little bit the same thing as you, right? Like I had a blast with my kids and you know, I taught grade seven and eight. And then I went off and, and I was a chemistry teacher in high school. And you know, I had grade 12 students and in my classrooms, I, I we would just have so much fun. I'd have, you know, the lab coat on. I had the big clown, you know, those big clown plastic glasses. <laughs> yeah. I used to put those on when I was when I would teach grade 12. Um and, and and I used to teach molecular theory, right? Like particle theory. And then I, I used to pretend that I can see the particles and describe them. You know, I was doing this for grade 12 kids and they thought I was wacko, right? they like, this guy's crazy. But, you know, some of these kids today, I, I receive them as teachers in my school, right? And, and the, yeah. the, one, the one thing they always remember is an experience like that. So, you know, it, for me, it was, that's what it was. It was the, the feeling that I had when i was with my students in the classroom the success that we knew and the growth that we we both knew both the, the students and myself is what i wanted to to replicate you know i wanted you know teachers in the school to 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 really have that feeling as well and to know what it feels like to connect because that's what makes the difference right is that connection so you know, same thing as you, which way can I do that in which way can I do that to have the biggest impact? Well, maybe the next step is to go to the school level and, and just bring that there and see how it goes.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, and I'm so glad you brought up the whole idea of teacher prep programs because, yeah, you know, when you, when you talk about what you're taught in teacher prep programs, you, you do, and I, I don't know if this is different in Canada, but here um, you do these lesson plans that are like four pages, yeah. That have you know they're all broken up, and then somebody yeah. comes in and makes sure that you hit each of them, and they they make corrections, and it just becomes this. Hey, do you think you could tell me how to set up a grade book instead? Um, but they or or teach me about building relationships instead. And and in school, I think you see this interesting um, issue because you can you can go into a school and you can you can tell the difference between teachers that um, are in education as a second career. Yeah. And teachers that have come right out of teacher prep programs in school yeah. and right into the classroom. Yeah. The thing is with school, and some of the issues I find with school is that um it's a it's a it's not all a game, but there's a good amount of it that's a game and, and you if you're good at the way schooling is done. Then you're successful. and that feels right. good. and and that's okay that you you should feel good, you're confident you've done that. So then, when you come back into school, if you want to come into teaching and you've never been out at another job in the private sector or anything like that, and you come right into school, well, you fall right into that niche or that game feeling of education because you were good at it. That's right. Well, unfortunately, being good at that particular game part of education has nothing to do. With learning, or relationships, mm-hmm. or understanding, mm-hmm. and and building your skills. So I think as a leader, we have to realize that. And that, I mean that speaks to the different types of teachers that we're looking at in our in our classrooms and our hallways, um, because we do the same thing as leaders. I mean, you think about leaders that went from a teacher prep program into the classroom. They were good at that whole idea of school and and schooling. And so then they come up into leadership, and they're used to the bureaucracy. They're used to the hierarchy. Um, leaders today just have to break all of that down and they have to take teachers where they are and have honest, authentic conversations with teachers that they have relationships with to find out exactly where they are and to give them the support they need to step out of their comfort zone, get a little uncomfortable because once they start seeing the improvement they have and the impact they have on students, there's no doubt in my mind that they will continue down that road. And, and there'll be hard times this isn't all rainbows skittles and unicorns but that's right um but the the impact that they see and the difference that they notice in the relationship aspect which then success follows um they'll they'll be thankful for those hard times afterwards yeah a lot of them
1: I find are you know what holds them back is is uh the feeling of not wanting to disappoint right mm-hmm. like you know they they're so focused on the content right like the curriculum and i want to get them ready for the next grade and then the next grade get them ready for the next you know and and they they just lose themselves in that right they'll they'll just concentrate so much on that that they'll forget that you know what about the relationship piece what about the the mental health piece you know what about the connection piece which is which is really the most important thing but you know often in my conversations and and having experienced it myself you know you don't want to disappoint you don't want to disappoint your te- your your students you don't want to disappoint the parents right. you don't want to disappoint your principal you know because god forbid you know if 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 my principal comes in and we start talking and then he realizes that i didn't have time to cover this aspect or this aspect of the curriculum or you know, the that's genuine feelings of of uh, you know of, of doubt that they have, and and I can understand that. So I think as leaders, like you were saying, it's up to us to bring that to the table and say, listen, you know, I think the the most important thing that we need to talk about is, you know, maybe not as much curriculum as it is, you know, your connections with the kids and getting them in in that state to to be able to learn. You know, it's it
0: you you were talking about the idea of I got to get ready for the next grade, I got them ready for the test, yeah. and this and that and the other thing. I think it was. And let me bring this back to you saying about the podcasting and how we learn more from from interviewing people and talking to people than we yeah. know. Um, I was talking to I believe it was um, a John Whalen. I was talking to a, a few recordings back where he said, why is it that we're always preparing students for more education instead of preparing them for the world? preparing them to be successful on their own based on the education that they get engaged with instead we're always saying you know when you when you get to the next grade when you get to the next grade we're going to prepare you in elementary school yeah you got to be ready for middle school and (laughs) then middle school happens and middle school says oh that big bad high school you better be prepared for that yeah and then high school says one of two things they say we got to prepare you for university that's right or they say to you because you're you're unconventional, maybe you're a little outside the bounds, or just pushing the edges. They say to you, "Man, you're going to be in trouble when you get into the real world." Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, so there's a different world of education than there is in the real world, and why wouldn't we yeah. be per, one, be preparing them for the other? Yeah, yeah, I, don't know. Yeah. I guess just the musings that keep me awake in
1: Yeah, and we've been saying that for years, right? And 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 I think it got to a point where some people do say it, and if you were actually to ask them, you know, to explain it, you know, exactly what that means. You know, maybe they wouldn't even be uh, in in a position to people to actually, you know, ex- explain, you know, what it means. But I, I hear you definitely in this idea. It's it's funny because we've been having the conversations this week um, with um, with a support agent that's been accompanying our, our school board and the work that we're doing with our theories of action and one of and we actually spoke to that with the teachers. You know, in his presentation, he spoke of that that idea of getting them ready for university from from high school to university. And the, the funny thing is that. Um, that expert that is actually helping us out is a university teacher. And he actually commented and said, Listen, he said, You know, in high school, you know, you got your courses that are streamed. First of all, we're starting to de stream in, in, in Ontario here, like, you know, advanced general courses and uh, pre uh, here in, in Ontario, Canada, when you get up to grade 11 and 12, you'll have your courses called the pre university courses and the pre collegiate courses, right? So, you know, and he made the point because teachers were saying, well, you know, we got to get them ready for university. And the point that he made was this, you know, he explained what he's been seeing coming into the universities, you know, in terms of students. And he said, you know, the, the students, it's not a question of getting them ready when it comes to the, to the subject matter. He says, the biggest struggles that we're having with the kids coming in are those executive functions. You know, we've got kids coming in, they, they don't know how to study they don't know how to cope they don't know how to organize they don't know how to how to make a meal and that is the biggest challenge that 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 he is seeing within his university and his colleagues so i think that was a big eye opener a big eye opener to to everybody that's thinking well you know i got to shove you know and i'm not saying curriculum is not important you know it, it is important but you know when when are we talking about these executive functions right when are we talking about these important competencies that are
0: actually going to follow you your whole life Right, right. And, you know, it's the whole idea of curriculum. Curriculum is important. You're right. However, nobody can learn if they aren't in a place where they're able to learn. If they're not available to learn for whatever reason, whether it's a social emotional issue, a mental issue, um, a learning disability issue, or an organizational issue, Mm -hmm. or a coping issue. If they're unable to, if they're not available to learn, they're not going to learn no matter how much curriculum you do. And it's, you know, we're doing this thing called innovation pathways at my school. And what we're doing is that that puts in kind of vocational tracks where we look at regional blueprint of industry, um, what's needed and entry level jobs that are available for students. And we're trying to graduate students with entry level credentials so they can step right into that. Yeah. Um, we were speaking with one of our biggest partners right now, and they said, You know what? You know what students need when they get here? If you want to give them a, a head start on 90% of the people that are going to be applying against them, they need people skills. They need interpersonal skills. Yeah. They can't talk to people, they can't relate to people. They, and, mm-hmm. you know, of course, I'm generalizing, and, and anytime you say all or every, you're wrong. Yeah. But yeah. Um, they said, For the most part, these students that are coming out of school, they can, they have things memorized, they have curriculum known, but they can't interact with people on the fly or have meaningful conversations with eye contact and different things like that. They said, you want to do everybody a favor or do them a favor, teach them that.
1: Yeah exactly. And I think we could be doing more of that and I love, you know, what you're talking about, you know, the blueprint of, you know, the businesses that are in your community and seeing what the, what they need and seeing how we can partner up and we, you know, we've got similar programs like that here in Ontario where we've got, you know, credits that could be recognized both at the high school and at the co- collegiate level, mm-hmm. you know, before they go. So, I think it's heading in the right direction, but it's not obviously it's, it's not going as fast as I'd like it to, but it's <laughs> yeah. always like that, isn't it? Right. Uh so listen Chris, um you talked about uh, a little earlier, you know, the importance as a leader uh, to a company and and to coach. You know the, the the teachers that are in our school. And in your book, uh, you talk about the learning cycle, right? And how everybody is at a different position within that learning cycle, and how they all rotate at different speeds. Right. So you know, as as a school administrator, you know, and and if you got a big school, it could be an even bigger challenge. So you know, how do you do it? How do you how do you keep up with everybody? That's at a different place in their learning cycle, but you know, everything's in movement, you know, everybody's rotating at different speeds. So, you know, can, can you share with us some of the practices that you have that help you to be able to, um, you know, to give your teachers what they need to help them push,
0: to to help push them to be even better. Sure, I um I run and I delegate a lot and say no a lot, <laughs> but <laughs> no, um, but out okay. of, I I mean that's a really good question out of, out of all seriousness. I mean you're right. You know when when you're looking at how you support teachers because you're always supporting teachers in one fashion or another, which is that piece of coaching. Um, it does get easier as you move to that second level of engagement, and then you move to the the ultimate right, which is empowerment, and um, you have to have a certain amount of release um, as you move into empowerment, but then you just make sure and check in on them. And I think check in on them is the most important phrase in that whole thing. I don't, I don't buy into the, and you'll never be able to do this if you buy into the formal evaluation cycle and just stick with that. Yeah. I make small stops with all of them. Um, some of the ways I do that is I block off Two sections a day in my calendar, so two hours okay. a day. Okay, um, one hour in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, where it's classroom walkthroughs, and so I walk through classrooms and I spend um, anywhere from five to eight minutes in each classroom. Ten, if they get me involved, which often they do, um, <laughs> they'll take advantage of it. Eh? <laughs> yeah, they, and, and so uh, well, we had. I I don't want to take too much time on the podcast, but I went into one. You could hear this on the feedback I gave to the teacher. He was going over some nuts and bolts yeah. in um, a history course about the Industrial Age, and some of the students were not engaged. Okay. Um, you know, and they're just kind of sitting there at the desk, glazing over a little bit. He's going through the PowerPoint, and then suddenly he stops. He realizes this. I'm sitting in the back of his room. And he whips out this poem he wrote that's a rap about the really? Industrial Revolution. He, he he wrote a rap about the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like and that. And so <laughs> he's he says, you know, you got to do this with me, though. He said, so I did this, so you got to do this with me to the students. And the students, two of them instantly turned around and said, we're in if Dr. Jones does it with us. Really? And so now I'm in a classroom rapping with with students and a teacher about the industrial age. So were you but, were you rapping or were you like the beatbox guy there with with the beat in the no, background? <laughs> no, he put it, he put it up on the screen. I didn't do the beatbox. Okay, okay, I'm okay, very okay. I can do a little beatbox, but that's for another podcast and it's right. very basic. Sounds it's good. limited to maybe 3 beats. But, <laughs> but um No, so you know, so I go into these classrooms yeah. and the hardest part I have is focusing on the students right to see who's engaged and things like that and then how the teacher is is adjusting to meet the level of engagement or or access and then when I leave I leave them a vox I use voxer now for people who don't know what voxer is it's a walkie-talkie app beautiful thing about it is I can do it none of the teachers have to join it comes to them in a voice note and so in my voice memo I walk out of the classroom I click that I say hey you know, so and so. I noticed that you were doing this, 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 and this. Um, have you ever thought about this? And I always give them something for a little bit of improvement, a little tweak, or something like that. So I think I do. I think
1: it's great. I've used Voxer as well myself, and and it's it's an easy tool. It's free. Uh, like you said, if, if they want to join, they just download, they put it on their phones and I think it's a great app. So, you know, if you guys are, aren't familiar with it, get out, go download it and, and try it out with your staff.
0: Sorry, Chris. I keep going. I just no, add that de- no, definitely try it. And and so here's the beautiful thing about Voxer, right? Is that you don't have to dissect what I might've meant in a text or an email or anything like that. Yeah. Um, you yeah. hear my voice and there's a difference between, Hey, Chris, I saw what you were doing in class and that was really cool. I like that and there's a difference between, there's a difference between that. And Hey, Chris, I saw what was going on in your class and what, what was going on with that? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and I, I make it low stakes. So, and I worked it out with the union. I, I told them that, look, I'm going to do Voxer. Does it play into some of their evaluation? Of course, because everything does. However, if there's something wrong, if there's something really wrong, we're going to talk anyways, and then we're going to do something more formal. So it's, it's low risk. They don't have to reply to it if they don't want. And I, Mm -hmm. I find that people reply to it. So that's, that's one of the things I do, um, to make sure that everybody's going where they need to go. The other thing I do is if I, if I do notice something wrong, I'm very specific about how I address it. Um, and this is kind of the coach part. Um, I found that when supporting people, to keep them from closing down or getting defensive when you start bringing up the negative stuff, right? Because Mm. nobody likes to really hear that about themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I depersonalize the negative things and I personalize the positive things. And so by way of example, what I mean is if I see something wrong with their classroom management and the students could have gotten more out of the lesson if they managed their classroom better, I'll, I'll go to the person and I'll say, Hey, Chris, you know, um, I noticed that this was going on in your classroom. And I don't know if you meant to have that happen or if you were if you were really aware that was happening, but um, I noticed some people, I noticed some other teachers have had success with this or have um, utilized this strategy and it's worked well for them in that type of situation. So instantly the teacher goes, okay, well, he's giving me a suggestion based on something else he's seen after he said, you know, he was asking me if I expected that to happen. So clearly that's something I need to shore up a little bit. Yeah. And then if I notice something goes well, like, Hey, I noticed that check for understanding you did. And man, I I don't know where you came up with that, but you did a fantastic job with that. And they're like, yeah, that's right. I did a really good job with that. (laughs) And so they stay open during the conversation and it's, it's, you know, it, sometimes people might get a little confused and think that's kind of like sneaky or underhanded it's not meant to be that at all it's meant to help a person who's not quite there yet stay open enough to be able to receive some type of feedback where they can then correct their course that's right um and so i i make sure i do that i i have frequent check-ins with them and uh, you know, the engagement part, I I take pictures in classrooms, and, and you've seen that on social media. I take yes, a I lot have. of pictures in classrooms. Yeah. I put videos together, um, and I brag on them to get them engaged in what's going on. But it's always focused around what our school and our culture is about. And I make sure I put wording in there to do that. So now when a, when a teacher starts to get engaged, and I can see that they're getting engaged in what's going on, mm-hmm. I make sure I do something like that because... The way you can engage somebody is, and and I'll, I'll take the the circuitous route to get to this, but we all got into teaching for a reason. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we stray away from that. And sometimes we stay super true to it that we don't want to hear anything else. Mm-hmm. But we have that why. And we have that vision for who we want to be as an educator. Yeah, I go out of my way to find ways that show how their personal vision or why for teaching why they got into this whole thing to begin with is connected to our school's vision and mission, because then they see them as part of what's going on. And now if something something bad happens, something negative happens and they struggle, that's right because they're part of the larger community. and in that community, they find strength. They can lean on each other. They can say, "Hey, we're all in this together. Let's step it up. let's let's work together. We get we got this. You've got this." And they know it's true because it matches. That larger vision,
1: and they and they see themselves in there. I think that's fantastic. You know, you touched on a lot of stuff that I, I'd like to I'd like to get into. Um, sure. See, if you let me talk, I'll just ramble. No, on. no, I, I think it's great. <laughs> I'm just absorbing this. I'm absorbing yeah. it. So you're absolutely right. You know, if we can, I love the approach, and I totally agree with it. And it's what I would want. You know, if I'm part in, of an organization or a school or whatever it is. You know, I want to feel like I'm part of it. I, I don't want to feel like I'm just a piece and and I'm not linked to anything else. I want to know that. And I want to feel that what I have to contribute is actually a positive contribution. So whenever, and and, and you said it, we, and, you know, I, at one point we all forget it or we all lose sight of it. And that's normal. We'll all have ups and downs as teachers, as principals, as fathers, as mothers, you know, mm-hmm. it happens all over the place in our lives, but you know, to have uh, to develop that that culture within within a school or within your family, um, that that anchor that's able to ground you, knowing that you know, even if we do have those those tougher days. Uh, you know, from from what my family members are telling me, from what you know, my principals telling me, my my coworkers, my colleagues at school are telling me, it's all reminders that no, no, you're you're a part of this chain, and we're all you know we're all in this together. So yeah, there's going to be some bumps bumps in the road, but it it doesn't matter because you know you still have a lot of positive to contribute, and we need you. So to, right. to be able to develop that, that sense of belonging also, I think also develops within the person a person, a sense of accountability and ownership. Right. So they're going to want to, you know, what I was saying before about, you know, being afraid to disappoint. Sometimes it's not good, but sometimes it's really good. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm so happy that, you know, I know my kids, my daughter's sitting just right over there and she's doing some homework and she's got her earbuds on. So as usual, she's not going to hear any <laughs> of this, but I was going to say tell her I said hi. Yeah, but, but, you know, for them to, to have developed, you know, for them, when it comes to their parents, you know, they, they don't want to disappoint. And I think that's okay, right? Because there's a high standard and you want to make sure that, you know, that you're living up to that high standard. So in a team, I think that's really important, but having that connection piece, it just gives you that, that extra oomph that you need that, you know, what? You know, I have, I have a purpose here. There's a reason why I'm here and what I'm doing makes a difference. So because of that, I'll be even more engaged. I'll engage with my colleagues. I'll engage with my, with my students and it'll just give you, you know, that much more that you're able to bite into, you know, within your learning environment. So I think that's, that's absolutely
0: fantastic. So well said, you know, and it's funny as you're, you're talking about it. I, I even have a couple more things that, um, you know, because sometimes we get in our own way, right. Yeah, um, and we lose we lose sight because of things we're doing. So, two really useful tools that I used to help that I I used and I continue to use that um, that help me stay on point is one. Um, I schedule a fifteen minute meeting with every teacher in my building um, at the middle of the year, yep. and they get a chance to evaluate me. So now, I. I, I ask them, what am I doing that I need to stop doing? In other words, what's not working for you? What am I doing that I need to continue doing? What is working mm-hmm. for you? And mm-hmm. and what's something you need right now? And I've gotten everything from, gee, Chris, I could really use a new set of books to, um, hey, I just really want like a box of magnetic poetry that I use because I have one box, but I don't have enough for all the students to run a certain activity in class. Yeah, I mean, that's low hanging fruit and that gets them engaged in what's going on and they they feel like they're supported so i take all that information and i i have to say i use surveys too for all kinds of different things but i very loudly and publicly use every survey that i get i never i never ask for information Mm. and have people wondering whatever happened to that yeah i know you don't want that Right. I come forward and I say, look, I'm using this survey. Um, this is a survey that you filled out or whatever. Yeah. The next thing I did is we all have, we all have a vision of who we are, who we want to be. I asked my staff and I have that as me as a leader. I asked my staff to take, take some time and give three words. I did a mentee word clock okay. with it. Yeah. Three words that you would use to describe me as a leader. If somebody asked you adjectives like, we're describing dr jones as your principal go three words yeah and that built that word cloud now it's like a regular word cloud where the most hit word is the biggest and, and and you know all that and i got that word cloud and i printed it out and it was telling and and i printed it out and i put that right next to my desk so whenever i, I i'm i'm flustered i'm making a quick decision i'm i feel like i'm making a mistake i'm unsure you know all those things that happen to us every day I look at that word cloud because that's what those teachers that's who those teachers see me as. Those are the adjectives that describe me. Um am I acting with integrity? Am I listening? Am I being supportive? Am I being empathetic? You know and and I it just it's a trigger to help me get back to where I need to be, where I can be my best self in that moment to make the best decision possible. And so my advice to leaders is anytime you can get a tool from somebody else's input that describes where you are where you need to be and you can keep it where you can and you can get it tangible so you can remind yourself because we're not we're not thinking about how purposeful we're being or building our character when man that parent called three times then went to the Mm. superintendent Mm. and now the superintendent's mad or the school committee member saw this and they're upset or that teacher failed five kids again for no reason you can understand, and you want to make those decisions, and everything's flying because you have three other discipline incidents going on. It if you just stop and you look, most of the time, ninety-five percent of the time, you're going to make the right call. Yeah. And and
1: and you got people. You're surrounded with people that are going to help you you know do that right. and so the feedback piece is really important i think it's uh not only important to to develop that that uh that that confident um that confident school culture right and and, and that culture that you know that shows the people that you can be honest and I'm looking for an honest, an, an honest answer. I'm not telling you to insult me <laughs> on, <laughs> on, on the, in the word cloud, but I want you to be honest, you know? So if you think that I'm not I'm not communi- communicating enough, well, then write it because I need to know, right? And this is a great way to do it because it's anonymous. So if you got some teachers that are, are still not, you know, comfortable to want to say it and be known who said what, then that's a great way to do it, right? right? And then the fact that you're using it and putting it right you know beside your desk and you're talking about it like you said that just builds credibility right it just shows the people that you're listening and we need to be, be listening because we don't see each other we don't see ourselves go you just give an example of the parent that calls or you know the the 15 students that you had, that you had referred to the office that day or um you know or even <laughs> ourselves we'll get all excited you know we're we're, we're presenting something uh, you know a piece on leadership at a staff meeting or at a PD day and we're not noticing that people aren't engaged, but we're so excited about it. So there's different and a whole bunch of different opportunities where as principals and as teachers, where we're engaged and we're maybe not, you know, conscious of what's going on around us. So what a great tool to use as an administrator. But for the, those of you that are listening to this episode, if you are a classroom teacher as well,
0: what a great tool to use with your students. Yeah, that would work great with students. And, you know, the, really the 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 black belt move yeah. for that. When you talked about anonymous, yeah. right? So take that next step. I stopped, that word cloud is anonymous. I stopped doing anonymous surveys yeah. in my building. Yeah. And I explained to staff because communication is important. I explained to staff that I want them to be empowered. I'm not interested in being right. I'm interested in the right answer. And so quite often that's not going to come from me just because i you know i i've got my perspective and my viewpoint from you know 30,000 feet up or whatever you want to call it um so i don't always know what's going on and and that took that took some time to build that culture to be able to say that and to get people to fill out the you know the percentage when you first do that the percentage of the people that fill out the survey really drops when they got to put their name <laughs> yeah, on yeah you'll know who's going
1: to who's going to send it in and who probably won't but that's right. You know,
0: right. i think that's normal yeah <laughs> Yeah. And uh, the so with my leadership team, it took me a while to do that where um, our leadership team meetings, boy, we have some exciting meetings <laughs> together where we go back and forth and we all leave and we're good with each other because yep. they know I'm not going to hold that against them. Uh, obviously, you, you're always respectful and you know, you're not doing hateful things, but um, just professional and being professional means that you're going to do the best you can And the whole idea, when you think about, you know, I'm a pro, um, the whole idea is to get to the right answer. And so I I expect them to push back and and give me pushback on things like that. But it's really about the idea of people speaking up. And For the empowerment piece, when people email me um, or ask me something, quite often I've been known to respond, don't ask me about that if you can do that. Email me after telling me you did that. Yeah. and if I have a question I'll ask you your question but but don't come to me and that's how you that's how you really begin to empower teachers is those little steps and um you have them do things and then tell you have them do things and then tell you and then bigger things and then you'll with all the engagement piece about their why the support you understand where they are you understand just how big of a of a thing you can hand over to them that will stretch them and they may fall down a little bit but you empower them yeah, and now they now they really take off, as yeah. long as you support them after they're done with that piece.
1: And 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 you you said it, and to do that it takes time. You know, we can't. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. often as administrators we're we're excited, we want to move forward. But we can't forget that if we're going too fast and we're not looking back, at some point we're going to turn around and we're going to say, wow, there isn't anybody there anymore. So <laughs>
0: right, then right. what are
1: you going to do? Right. But it's trust is is not given, right? Trust is earned.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: a really important piece. So, and you said it, you know, you you went from from those uh those surveys, those anonymous surveys to non anonymous surveys anymore. And you said it, it, it takes time, it takes work, and it takes the systems to put into place to build that trust within the staff. And I was, I was just looking on Amazon because I know Pat Lencioni has got some great books on how to be able to put systems into place. And we're actually like a Pat Lencioni school. Uh, We have the uh, school board, I mean uh, where I work at uh, today. So um, but building that trust, it doesn't come overnight and you got to work at it. And once you reach that level where I can get a lot of the people to start answering surveys, which are, are not anonymous, your work ain't done. Because you, you that trust you're working at it all the time. Things are going to happen. Things are going to be said. But what you we're trying to do is develop that culture where you said it in your leadership meetings. You can have some really I'm not going to say heated. You can have some really intense, you know, mm. uh, discussions on on instruction and on pe- uh, pedagogy or pedagogy. And in um, French pedagogy, and <laughs> uh, you know, and it can be very intense. But when you've developed that that culture and that trust, you know that you can say real things to each other, but you also know that you're not going to take it personally, right? right? And that makes me think of a little bit your approach with giving feedback to teachers, you know, with with Voxer, and I I agree with that because what you're actually doing is that you're making them realize that it's not about them as a person, it's about the strategy. It's about the approach. That's what it's about. It's about the process, right? I'm, right. And, and and it's hard to take. You, you said it. It's hard. It's hard to take. You know those comments and 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 in a, and, um intense discussion like that, it can be hard to take it because it's very personal, right? Teaching and pedagogy is very very personal. So when you got somebody coming in and giving you pointers, you're like, you know who's who is this person yeah. there? What are they talking about? So, you know, to get over that hump, it takes time, and it's the trust that you got to build.
0: Yeah, and you know, and once you get that trust, and and you approach it, I mean, believe, trust me, it <laughs> it works. Um, I I remember giving feedback to a teacher, and this teacher had handed out some worksheets that she was, and it was almost like a guided note worksheet yeah. type of thing that, yeah, and she was working through. Um, a, a concept, and when I left, I, I gave the feedback on Voxer and everything, and, and then the, the twist was, you know, is there another way to get kids more involved than in a sheet? Is there mm-hmm. is there a better way to approach this concept yeah, than this? Yeah. Because I I watched yeah. someone filling out the sheet, and it's like going through the motions. So what are they really? They're not engaging in the learning. They're doing it, but they're not engaging in learning. Yeah. And I would have never thought this from this individual. I got an email back that said, thanks for coming into class, this, that, the other thing, and thank you for pointing that out, you know, you're right, I've been using that for quite a few years, and I just got really comfortable with using it, and I should, I should probably look at a different way of doing that, yeah, and I mean, I walked out of the building, you know, a little high off the ground that day, um, you know, feeling pretty good about it, but absolutely, when you, it's amazing when you build that trust, and you get that idea of, I, I mean you no harm, Um, I'm going to, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to support you. And I, I remember when I was going through the interview for this job, the union president was on the interview committee. The union president said, so talk to me about corrective action on teachers Okay, and talk to me about, um, how you go about dealing with teachers that are underperforming. Okay. And I said, oh, Hmm. fantastic question. I said, well, okay. So a couple of things before I answer this question and I let off with, I I said, I I don't deal with teachers that are underperforming. I work with teachers that are underperforming. And I said, also, we're all in the business of education. Hmm. Um, Do we throw students out because they're not doing that well? Or do we work with them to help them bolster their skills. And, and I always say this, no teacher, no teacher ever, ever gets up in the morning, gets ready for work, knowing what's waiting for them, maybe being planned through fourth period, but really hoping for that prep fifth period so they can get ready for sixth period. Yeah. um, Because they have papers to correct and all this comes into work and said, walks in their door and says, you know what? I'm going to suck today. I (laughs) I just, I just want to really do bad today. Uh. We're, we're all, and we talk about this with kids, right? We say, If they could do better, they would, when we talk about academics and when we talk about behaviors. Mm -hmm. Why aren't we saying that with teachers? Mm. Why aren't we saying, look, if a teacher could do better, they would. And now whether that's the teacher with the attitude that says, I know what I'm doing and I'm not going to change. I haven't changed in 20 years. Okay. But they still don't realize, quite possibly they don't realize because they've been doing it for 20 years, what they're doing wrong. Yeah because that's what they do. And it's not them. It's the darn kids. It's the parents, it's society. It's it. No, it it's, it's a different way to do it, but you just can't see it. And so as a leader, as an instructional leader, as a coach, that's my job to help them see that so that they can adjust and improve their practice. My job's not to kick them off the field or say, you're no longer welcome here. Yeah, no, that's not to say that, you know, As things move along, if there, there, look, there are people that don't improve. And so something has to happen because ultimately the kids need to have somebody in front of them that, that helps them succeed to their highest level. Um, And there are teaching is a, is a difficult profession Mm -hmm. and it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's okay to have that conversation. Yeah. That maybe this isn't for them. Yeah. But.
1: And it, and it, might happen, you know, within within you know a principal's career, uh, one or two times, maybe. Hmm. And like you said, it's uh, it, it isn't an easy profession, uh, definitely. And there are other professions as well that that aren't that aren't easy as well. But um, to have the conversations, and sometimes you know it, it could be the best thing, and it could be what that person needs is to have that conversation right. because I, I was going to say they maybe they're not realizing it, but they can feel it. You know, they can feel it that it's not working, but a lot of them, a lot of teachers will feel stuck. You know, what else am I going to do? I've been building this pension for X amount of years, uh, you know, so, so they'll have all these questions and, and, and often it's, they're stuck in a rut, but often it it is, they'll be, uh, they won't be in movement or they'll be frozen because They don't know what to do to get out of it, right? So what else would I do? So that's, you know, some of the questions that they ask. But coming back to uh, your example with the worksheet, I think that's a great example and a great segue to my my next question uh, coming from the book. Um, You know, I've had those situations as well where we're using strategies that we've been, you know, we're, we're still using strategies that we've been using for many years, but... Often because, you know, we don't realize it or often because it's not because they don't work, they work, the kids get their work done, but I think it has a lot, a lot to do with sometimes with control, right? Oh, and okay. when it comes down to, you know, it's, it's not me, it's the kids. First of all, it's, it's not easy to have to look at yourself in the mirror when it comes down to those things. But what I always say in those situation is, okay, if I'm a classroom teacher in front of kids, what is the number one thing that's in my control? That's in my zone of influence that's how I act and what I do in the teaching that I do. So that should be the first place that I, that's the first place that I need to look at. If I've got kids that are being disruptive, for example, or I've got kids that aren't engaged. Well, I'm not saying that you're not going to go in and, you know, to the, to the student and, and talk to them and, and try to find out what's going on, but you should at least also be looking at, okay, is it you know why is it that they're not engaged because you know whenever they're acting up there's always a reason for it right so maybe one of the reasons is because they're bored maybe they're not engaged maybe uh, i'm doing too much of you no know, frontal teaching and not enough of explicit teaching you know and doing some uh do, doing some modeling and let letting them work in groups and things like that and changing it up so often it's um it's, it, it's a control piece, right? And it's not, it's not easy to get to let go of that control. And in the book, you talked about that, right? When we're talking about uh, accompanying teacher and teachers and empowering teachers um, to grow and build confidence. Now, you talked about at some point where you said, hmm, I got to let go of some of this control for this to take place. So, yeah.
0: you know, what does that look like? Talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. The, so I can sum it up with one phrase, but then I'll 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 use an example. So okay. um, the one phrase: you you give a teacher something to do or somebody something to do. And I I joked about this at the beginning, the whole idea of delegating, but you give a teacher something to do because you empower them to take yeah. that next step, yeah. and then they do it. And now if If it's if it's a a planned empowerment where you want to stretch them a little bit, they're going to fail. That's the whole idea, right? But they're going to do the best they can to get a taste of of where they're at, and then you support them. The worst thing you can do is say, "Well, I wouldn't have done it that way," so Mm. it's not as good as it could have been. Mm. You have to, if if you're going to truly empower somebody, you have to step out of the equation. It's that it's that release piece, because at the at the lowest level of release, you're still controlling, but as you work into letting them go and truly letting them go, the highest level of release is just where you start to empower people because you truly have to let go. Um, so if you give, if you give somebody a project, what you want to do is check in on them every once in a while, because then you want to make sure that they have a plan because you want to try and help them be as successful as they can without taking over and so you just say so okay Chris where where are you on this or this and Chris says well I've got this but you know I've emailed this person they haven't emailed back and you check you say look is there something I can help you with or have you thought about approaching it this way yeah you just give them little pointers as they go along and when they're done with the project say it was say it was an event and the event went off Pretty good. It could have been better. Maybe, you know, some of the people that would have sponsored didn't sponsor. Maybe you didn't have as high of a showing with staff as you wanted to, or maybe the kids weren't as invested. Uh, maybe you didn't make as much money if it was a fundraiser, that mm. kind of thing. Yeah. The first thing you need to do is celebrate the success of it. And and let that person know, wow, you know, this is the first time you did that. That's Chris, you did a really good job with that. I mean, think of you made this much money or wow, you got 12 staff to show up and work all the hours, not just in shifts because they didn't really want to be there or they weren't invested. you know hey, I heard the kids had a lot of fun um, you want to start with that and celebrate the success. and immediately you want them to own it by saying, so Chris, next time you do this, let's talk about how it's better. let's let's take a let's take a step away for a day, two days. Let's sit down and meet, gather your thoughts, reflect on a little bit, and then let's sit down and think about the next time you do this, because now they're going, oh, there's the next time I'm doing this. The next time you do this, um, we want to make sure that you improve, right? Because improvement comes one step at a time. It's not Mm -hmm. overnight. Mm -hmm. So the next time you do this, you're automatically going to be better. And so now not only have they owned it, saying, okay, this is my baby now, so I I have to pay attention to what happened, and I, and I learned, and I did a good job, but you know I can improve a little bit. because So now you're talking about the continuous improvement piece, and now when they come back and they reflect on it, now you're talking about the accountability piece because you've planted the seed that next time you do it, it's going to be better. You weren't 100%. You didn't knock it out of the park. Maybe I could have. Maybe Joe next door could have, yeah. but it's on you, so you're the one that needs to make it what it can be. And you start to vision board what that could be. And so now it's already account- – they're already accountable because they've owned it. And they are basically telling you by sitting down with you that, yeah, I'm going to make this better next year. I'm going to close up all these loops. But the, the worst thing you can ever do is say, I would have done it this way because then why did you even empower them? Yeah. Or 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 even on smaller things, if they do something and then you – and I've seen leaders do this. This is so frustrating. Then you, you, you undo it and you redo it the way you wanted it or, you know, you take over halfway through and you do it the way you wanted it. And it's yeah. like, what, you just demolished oh, absolutely. any thought that person ever has a stepping forward again. Yeah. Yeah. And trust. And hey, there's that word again. And trust and yeah. trust.
1: No, you're, you're, you're right. And, um, you know, it's, it's to develop that mindset that we're always on the quest of getting better. And everything that we're doing, you know, and everything in life. I think that's, I truly believe that that's, that's really our, that's my mission anyways in life is, is how can I, can I make it better? And it, it doesn't come from a, from a place where I'm saying it wasn't good enough. And I think that's, that's the difference when you're having conversations, like the one, the example you just gave, when we're talking about things like that, you know, it's important to, to, to come up with the, the seller, the celebration, the celebrate piece. I absolutely agree because it's about building, it's not about demolishing what you've done. So that's an important that's an important part because again, it's very personal. So somebody that's been let's say that's been organizing an event for years and you know you know that teacher that always does that same activity and they're the, and it's big and they do a great job. but when you got when you sit down with them and you say, well okay, listen, this was fantastic, you had a great turnout. Now how can we do it make it even better next year? So you know it's it's not about uh, you know I'm not saying that what you did wasn't good enough. It's never about being good enough it's always about bringing it even further bringing it and improving and making it better so and and that's an important mindset i think to develop in our staff and within ourselves and we we have to be talking about it all, all the time we got to bring that you know on the table with within everything that we're doing within the language that we're speaking with uh, with the teachers and with the students and once we we get to that mindset those conversations become even easier to have
0: well, and when you reflect on on where you've come from, right, because, and it's important for the leader to model that first and to get up yeah. in front of your people and say, you know, I was going to do this and I, I know I did this last year, but then I got to thinking, how could I make this work better for you? Yeah. How could I make this work better for the students? So because of that, I'm going to be doing this.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, I, I mean, you start you start those conversations. However, sometimes because of mindset, um, and this is knowing your people, that's mm. difficult for people. Yeah. And I'll never forget because I'm always talking about continuously improving and not because like you said it fantastic, not because you're not good where you are, but if you just improved a little, think about how much better you could be. Yeah. And I got feedback from a teacher that, you know, continuous improvement. I just always feel like I'm not getting any better and it's not good enough. And I always have to keep improving because I'm just not good enough. So I met with that teacher. And the benefit of non-anonymous surveys and um I met with that teacher and I said okay look let's let's just take a step back forget about continuous improvement right now just for a second let's just let's just take a step back and and talk about where you are now and this mm-hmm. was a longer one-to-one heart-to-heart type meeting yeah And the teacher explained to me, you know, where they were, some of the things they were doing. And I, you know, I asked him different things like, so what do you do to, you know, get the kids fired up? What special unit did you just teach? What's this? What's that? And the teacher was talking. I said, now, let me ask you something. And this might be a little more difficult. What's the best unit you were teaching a year ago? Hmm. What's the most exciting thing you were doing for students a year ago? How involved or how well did you know your students a year ago? And looking back at it, the year ago, was nowhere near as good as the current. And I said, now, look at that gap in your performance because you've just been taking a little step at a time, little step at a time, little step at a time. So you get a free pass, a golden ticket. For the next month, just hold status quo. And then month and a half after this, why don't you look at what can I tweak? What step can I take forward? What's the next unit coming up and I can adjust a little bit? Yeah. And so sometimes you just need to take that step back so people don't get too overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, because like you were saying, I, I get all jazzed up about it. I'm like, one more step, one more <laughs> tweak, one more this. And you know, yeah. I gotta, okay, Jones, yeah. slow down a little bit, yeah. you know. Yeah, I so. hear you.
1: I hear you. it's funny because James Clear talks about that in his book Atomic Habits, and he talks about, mm. you know, how you're looking to be just one percent better each day. We're not I'm not asking twenty-five, I'm not one percent because when you do when you do the math. You know, uh, and and for example, if I take today, well, today I was I performed and I was myself at a hundred percent. I it would it represents a hundred percent. Now tomorrow, if I'm even better, if I'm one percent better than that, then that becomes a hundred and one percent. But if I'm one percent not not as good as or not not a a better version of what I was, then I go down to ninety nine percent. So if you do the math, day in and day out, you finish with this curve. That goes—I forget the name of it—but it, it 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 spikes up at one point. So there's always this this point in the curve where I think he he calls it the valley of disappointment or something like that, where we're not seeing the <laughs> change because it's those micro habits, right? And yeah. it's and it's that that slow improvement, you know. And when we're in it, we don't always see it. So that's why, you know, the beauty of having you know administrators that are engaged that are going in the classrooms, having colleagues, having uh, leaders, teacher leaders. Uh, instructional leaders coming in, to, and you know that outside looking in, they're able to tell us, you know, well, you might think this, but guess what? This is what I seen, and it's awesome. Okay. And you might not be seeing that increment of one percent every day, but every day you, you, you've been, you know, for the last month, you've been doing hundred and one percent, and that adds up when you do the math at the end of the uh, at the end of the month. You know,
0: my assistant principal says something to the freshmen every year at freshman orientation. Yeah. Okay. And I love this line um, because it's right in line with what I believe in. He said, and I call it maximum effort, what you're you're describing. Okay. And he says this line to freshmen. He says, look, every day you come in here, I'm not saying you need to be the best. I'm saying you need to be your best. Your best that you've got might be 80% of somebody else's best. But yep. it doesn't matter because that's what you've got and you've got to come in with your best. And eventually you'll be up at that hundred percent with everybody else if you come in at your best every day. So it's really about, you know, that that 1% better. We're look, we're all at different spots. And there's a reason that some people are ultra successful in life and other people have a burst and then they're not. Um, And it's all about getting on it, staying on it, and putting forth your maximum effort, your personal maximum effort. I tell my boys all the time, I say, look, if you're going to try something, give your maximum effort or don't bother trying it. And I said that the tricky thing about that is it's about who you are as a person. It's about your character Mm -hmm. because there's only one person in the world that knows if you're putting forth your maximum effort, if that's all you've got. And that person is the person you have to live with. Yeah. Nobody else. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important for leaders to get across to those they serve is that you need to put in your maximum effort, your 100% every day and just push a little harder. And I mean, I do little concrete things or people do concrete things that they don't even realize they're practicing this. They're putting this in practice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Teachers get near the end of their summer break. Two weeks before they have to go back to school, they start setting their alarm clock earlier. Yep. Yeah. What do you think that is? That's, that's increasing. That's, that's improving a percentage every day. Do you get where you need to be Absolutely. or where you want to be? Absolutely. And they don't even realize that that's what they're doing. And, and if you can translate something simple, something so basic as that, so ingrained as a habit into your practices and into their practices, man, we're going to talk about those. We're going to see those changes we were talking about that we need to see in education. We're preparing students for life to be successful instead of the next level. Exactly,
1: and always compare you to you. Don't compare you yourself to others because that's a dangerous game. It's like a game of golf. You play against yourself. That's what <laughs> I it stay is. away
0: from that game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So listen, Chris, it's been a great conversation. And once again, uh seeing to lead, support, engage, and empower. What a fantastic book. Available on Amazon. Uh, also available, I believe, uh, on the Codebreaker Codebreaker uh, website, right? Codebreakeredu.com. I yep. believe it's available there. So I will link this up uh, to the show notes. Okay. So if people, you know, people listening, you gotta get this book. It is it is awesome. The stories are great, it comes from the heart. Uh, Chris, you did a great job with the book. So to get the link, just head on out to inspireleadership.ca in the podcast section. Chris will have his own page and we'll have a few show <laughs> notes there and, there uh, go. and we'll I, link that up there. So click it and order
0: the book. I have, if you want, and if it's any easier to remember, once they go to your show, um, seeing to just yep. the title of the book.com brings you to a page with the book where you can order from there Perfect. as well. Perfect. I will link that up as well
1: to the to the website. So once again, everybody head on down to inspireleadership.ca. In the podcast section, we'll get all that uh, in there so that you can get your hands on a copy of Chris's book, Seeing to Lead, Support, Engage, and Empower. So Chris, it's been a great conversation. I got one question left for you. Really yeah. appreciate the time you've spent with me on this, uh, what is it, Wednesday today? It is, yeah. yes, Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday <laughs> i got to okay. stop
0: and think about it. Just yeah. have to check
1: on this Wednesday evening. So listen, Chris, uh, for the people that are listening to us, what would be uh, the one wish that you would have for them?
0: The one wish that I would have for people. um, Be true to yourself and put the work in day after day to make sure you're truly serving others to help them reach their own personal goals level of success because if you do that there's no way you aren't successful that's awesome I, And and call it
1: all comes down to what your book says right it's support engage and empower that is what it's all about and the, the nice thing about it is that it just doesn't just apply it to a school setting you know when i think about even raising my children yeah fostering you know relationships you want to support engage and empower it's the same thing so I think it's great Chris thank you very much once again for being my guest on the podcast it's been great connecting with you love the work that you're doing love following you on, on
0: uh, in social media and uh, you know maybe we can do this again oh pleasure's mine I'd love to I I have a great time talking to you all the time and I, I, I really continue to learn from you and I, I wish you all the best awesome thank you very much Chris
1: Hi there, it's Joelle. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and that you were able to find many useful takeaways. Adding value to others is one of the most important actions a leader can take. So please share this episode with your friends and colleagues and on social media. Let's reach out to as many people as we can. Want to connect with me? Well, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can visit my website, inspireleadership.ca. If you'd rather send me an email, my address is joel, that's J-O-E-L, at inspireleadership.ca. Take care, everybody, and now, go get your leadership on.
0: It's intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.